up, beautiful humans? My name is Morgan, and I'm your podcast host. I'm a talk therapist by training and a practicing spiritual entrepreneur. I specialize in Reiki, tarot, and past life regression. In this podcast, I integrate both clinical and spiritual perspectives to best support you on your healing journey. Welcome to The Clinical Spiritualist. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to be here. So Catherine and I met through the wonderful world of Instagram. Um, We both took past life regression and Reiki training with Nikki Cosmo. I don't remember how I found your page or vice versa. Do you? I'm not sure. I can't remember who followed who first. I know. I, t- I feel like Nikki usually posts some of her students on her um, page, and maybe that's how we both came across right. each other, I'm sure. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Um, so her and I have been connecting, and we just have um, so much we want to talk about and so many questions I have for her today. So um, do you prefer Catherine? Yes, I prefer Catherine. My closest friends and family call me Katie, but on social media, I go by Catherine. Okay, I figured. So let's just start with a little intro, your name, your pronouns, and a little bit about your business and mission. Yeah. So first off, thank you so much for having me. Um, I've been really looking forward to this conversation. I think it's so needed. And so I'm Catherine. My pronouns are she, her, and I am a past life regression practitioner as well as a Reiki practitioner. And I'm also becoming a certified coach right now. So I will be officially done, and I believe in November. So I'm super excited about that because that's going to be a whole nother added layer into my business. And my mission is to really guide LGBTQ plus humans back home to themselves, teaching them radical self-love, acceptance, and full liberation. So that is my, that's been my biggest dream for a while since I, um, confirmed with myself with my sexuality last year and I just the light bulb went off for me and it kind of was just a rocket ship after that I was like this is what I want and this is how I'm gonna get it these are the steps so I'm really excited to you know step into the coaching world and really begin that offering because I know there's so many people out there who need the help and feel alone and if I could help anyone in any way feel less alone and work through any of their shame, um, even internalized homophobia, like that is my ultimate, ultimate mission. So, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. (laughs) I noticed that you changed your Instagram name to LGBTQ plus mentor. And I was like, yes, I love that you did that. What, what sparked that, that change? So it was actually, um, of course, my mentor, Nikki Cosmo, (laughs) um, we were having a conversation and, she was just helping me under, you know, she was just helping me navigate how I wanted to present myself and my spiritual business. And originally I had energy healing in my um, bio, but it never felt like an intuitive yes for me. And yes, I do um, give those offerings, but I just knew um, I, my dream was always to be an LGBTQ um, role model and coach and mentor. And so But what was stopping me was knowing that I haven't officially become certified. And I think so many people can relate to, well, I haven't achieved that certification yet. So I don't feel qualified enough yet to 
put present that in my Instagram bio, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that was what was holding me back. And so finally she was like, just put it in your bio. Like you're on the path right now. Who cares if, you know, just because you're not official until November, like you're still talking about this, you're sharing your story, you're sharing your truth. So like you're doing it right now. And Absolutely. So I was like, you're right. So literally after the conversation, I jumped on Instagram and I changed my bio and it felt like such a like, fuck yes in my body. And I just, I knew it felt right. And yeah. Yeah. That sounds like Nikki just being so direct of like, why don't you just literally do it? (laughs) Yeah. She's so direct, but it's like, she really helps you get out of your head and just Um, do what feels right and stop letting society or what your friends or your family think. Mm. I'm kind of learning to just get past all of that because I know who I am and I know the purpose that I want to serve in this world. And, you know, I always knew at an early age that I wanted to help people. I always knew that I was going to help people in some capacity and I knew it was going to be on a big, big, um, impactful level. Yeah. never knew, you know, I, we all go through the traditional path, right? Like our, just how we're programmed to think is just follow the traditional path. And so I, of course, follow the traditional path. And I thought, well, logically, the only way I'm going to help people is by being a teacher. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people, that's, you know, the most logical thing to do and um, pursue. And so that's where I was navigating with that. And so the more that I've realized I don't need to have the traditional path, I can break through that stereotype and have just as much fulfillment, if not more, and just success and happiness doing what I want and stop people pleasing to whatever Absolutely. I know you can relate to that. Um, I'm just kind of at the point in my life right now, I'm 26, and I just, I want to help people on a bigger level. And I, yeah, so... I am just excited and I feel like the first time in my life I'm doing things and I'm making decisions that feel right to me, Catherine, Mm -hmm. not making decisions for my grandma or my mom or my friends and, or what society thinks. And so, um, it's kind of like a rebirth in a way because everything moving forward from when I had my spiritual journey and awakening last year really is just what does she want? What does she like to do? Mm. So that was huge for me. Yeah. And when we started connecting on Instagram, I really, really felt drawn to you every time we had a conversation because there are so many parallels in our life. Like we're both queer women. We both came out in our twenties, not that long ago for me, less than two years ago for you, less than a year. Right. Yes. Yeah, I came out almost a year ago. So last November. Yeah. Yeah. And we both work traditional jobs and our hearts are in helping people, but what we're doing traditionally didn't feel aligned. We both have our own spiritual businesses, um, both, both work with children. And then another big piece that we're going to talk about today and kind of segue into is the fact that we've experienced a lot of religious trauma, which then has, um, given us a lot of shame around our sexuality and then for me and I'm sure you that that internalized homophobia as well of like even though I still battle with it like I'm here I'm queer I'm in a relationship with a woman uh 
but something still feels not right or a little shameful. Um, so I think let's just start talking about what your experience was like growing up queer in a religious setting. Yeah. So when you asked me this question, I like the words just kind of like flew onto the paper because I just had so much to say and I could talk about this for hours. Um, I really had no queer representation growing up whatsoever. I grew up in a really, really conservative religious city in St. Louis. And if you're familiar with St. Louis at all, or, you know, really just the Midwest, it's a very um, conservative area. And in St. Louis, there's honestly more Catholic schools than there are public schools. And so that's all I knew around me. All of my friends went to the same Catholic school. There was like 30 kids in my class and every school around me was, they were Catholic schools. And so I really was just immersed into this bubble and I didn't know anything different. It was not very diverse. And that was hard because it really didn't give me any chance to do any questioning or self-reflecting because I didn't have that representation in my town. And, you know, when you're going to Catholic school and you're, you have religion class every single day, as well as going to Catholic church three times a week, that is a lot of subconscious programming. Absolutely. Um, Because I went to Catholic school all the way up until seventh grade. So my pretty much my entire elementary school experience was through the Catholic school. So that was just being like programmed and downloaded into my brain every single day of like right versus wrong, good versus evil. Um, You know, just if I go to, if I do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to burn in flames. And that was just like a lot to take on as a child. And I even remember being in church all the time and never really fully resonating with any of it. And I just would dissociate and I would totally zone out. I almost like blackout because I just never really understood all of it. And I was that kid that was questioning everything in my head. And what's the meaning of life? What's the purpose to this all? I feel like there's more to this. And so I would dissociate a lot. And, um, you know, even all my friends growing up, they were all crushing over boy bands and, you know, the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. And I just did not have that same feeling in my heart. And I would play it up and pretend like I would. But meanwhile, I was having crushes on like Hillary Dove, mm-hmm. Jojo, um, Britney <laughs> Spears. But like, I didn't really understand it all. And I'm like, what does this mean? And I think I just got so good over the years at suppressing it that I was in absolute denial of my sexuality, like complete denial up until I was 25, pretty much. So it just shows you how much the conditioning and programming can really influence you throughout even your adult adulthood, Hmm. which it makes me really sad. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about this because I don't want any child to go through what I experienced and I don't want them to, have to, you know, live in fear, live with confusion. And, you know, if they don't come out till they're in their twenties or maybe they never come out and I don't want any child to have to go through that. So, yeah. 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 I, 
I also grew up religious and you were speaking about representation. And I was thinking about this last night when I was thinking about our podcast of like, I would have totally had girlfriends in high school. I would have like explored that so much early on. And I'm so thankful that I came to the conclusion I'm bisexual in my twenties. You know, it could have been even later and even later and even later, but a part of me does grieve. And I'm sure you feel this as well of not getting that like young love experience with the gender that you desire. Um, so we spoke about this a little bit, but what were some big messages that you've had to decondition and relearn, um, from your religious trauma? Yeah, that's a great question. So much. I feel like so much of me navigating my spiritual awakening was, unlearning everything that I learned. And that's really what um, drove me to all of this knowledge about myself because um, I got really sick last year and from COVID and I was on medical leave for three months and I could have easily used those three months to just feel sorry for myself and not do anything with my day. And I really think for my mental health, that would have made it even worse. And I really just wanted to find answers. And I ended up buying a journal and the journal, the journal really started at the beginning just to um, just kind of therapeutically to help my head because I was having really, really bad inflammation with my head. And then as I started writing, it just started like pouring through my entire life. And like, I went down to like the very beginning of my earliest memories and I realized how much of that programming was influencing me in every situation of my life. And I think, and I'm sure you can relate to this, even with, you know, watching TV shows and watching movies and um, growing up and, you know, watching Disney movies and every single Disney princess is chasing and falling for a prince. And there was no queer representation whatsoever. And I think little things like that build up throughout your life. And so things that I've unlearned is just really having to, like you said, grieve my old self. And that was a really hard process for me just because I was fully convinced that I was straight and I had dated, you know, many different boyfriends. And that was just really hard because I was grieving my old self and everything that came with that. And Um, my biggest takeaway is just forgiving myself and knowing that I was doing the best that I could with what Mm. I knew at the time. And I think what made me confused was I ended up getting into a really, really bad emotionally abusive relationship for six years with a man. And it destroyed me, like destroyed my confidence, destroyed my self-worth. Um, you know, I was suicidal on and off and, I was really like a shell of who I was. I didn't even know who I was anymore. And I think after I came out that that whole six year relationship really confused me because I was just wondering why did I do that to myself? Why did I put myself through that pain for so long? Um, But it just shows how much like I wanted to people please. I wanted to fix, I wanted to help. And I think for me too, 
helping someone else and quote unquote, trying to fix someone else is so much easier than going inwards and doing the inner work on yourself. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) And like taking accountability for like your own actions and your own suffering and the role that you've played and really just healing yourself, I think. And so for those six years, I didn't do any of that. I was self-destructing and self-sabotaging in every sense of the word. So I really just had to like forgive myself and give myself grace and know that that was a part of my story. And in fact, I feel like it's made me who I am today. It's given me so much strength and just courage and just resilience that I, I'm just, I'm thankful for it. I don't see it as something that happened to me. I see it as something that happened for me. And so that's just something that I've had to unlearn because it's hard. It's hard when, and you know, I grew up really feminine. I love makeup. I like dressing up. And so I didn't have that queer representation in movies and TV shows and, and role models. And that's something that I want to break that stereotype of what a lesbian should look like because I think that's what got me so confused on my journey is that like, I don't look or relate to what I do see on TV. And so that was confusing for me. And so I really want to break that stereotype of, you know, you need to be super masculine in order to like women, because that's so not true. And um, even at the beginning of my coming out journey, I thought that I even had to change my appearance and look super Mm. masculine and, just to, you know, prove that I was, you know, gay. And that was really confusing. And so now I'm learning, like, I can dress however I want to dress. I can be whoever I want to be. I can look however I want to look. I don't need to do what society tells me is right or wrong. And um, that's something that I've had to unlearn. And I just want people to understand that um, you can look however you want to look, because I think that's, it's just, I think it's making people more confused yes, and yes. prolong people longer on their, you know, journey of coming out. It, it's just, um, yeah, I want to break that stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. I'm new to like the queer language as well. And because it is like a whole community and different types of language. And so I'm still learning it. Um, and I definitely understand that like, it is a culture and, you know, like the femme and butch and like the different labels can be validating for some Mm -hmm. and like sometimes people feel more comfortable being put in different lanes with their identity but for some people I think it like you said becomes more confusing of okay well where do I fit then yes Um, totally because I think your whole at least for me my whole life I didn't fit in and I didn't feel like I I had a place and I, so when I came out, I thought I have to make a stance. I have to look a certain way. And I think that just made me, it, it, I just got in my head more about it. And what I'm trying to break too, is to stop living my life in a box because for so many people like us with that religion trauma, we were put in a box and we were told very black and white things. And I think for me, the biggest other thing that I, I learned and unlearned is to not be in that box and to just be free and to just, um, embrace where I'm, where I am right now, like where I am today. And it might be different in a year. I don't know, but I want to embrace and celebrate where I am right now and celebrate 
all that I've, you know, learned about myself because I know that it's not easy. And I know with you and I coming out in our twenties, that's a really confusing thing to tell families and friends, not that they need to have validation, but it's almost like you're starting over in a sense. And, and this is kind of me going on a tangent, but I even remember when I came out on Instagram last year, that was how I came out to everyone. And yeah, I did a big, like, cool. Hell yeah. Job. Yeah. And I was, but I was so in my head about it for like months before. Um, I probably, like even before I got sick, probably in like August of last year, I started like having these thoughts of um, just my sexuality. And then when I got sick, I even more started questioning things. And then when I really confirmed it in my journal, I like knew for sure, but I didn't know how to navigate it. There's no rule book on how to do it. And I was like, do I come out individually to all of my friends at once? Do I tell certain families at once? Like, how do I go about this? Like, I don't know what to say. And I was just so in my head about it. Like it was making me sick. Like I, it was making me more upset than like the purpose of coming out. And I will never forget. I remember having a conversation with my brother who he um, drove into town when I was sick and he, I was telling him about it. So he was one of the first people that I told first family member that I told and he was so supportive and just loving. And he was like, how, however you do it is going to be exactly the right way. There's no quote unquote right or wrong way of coming out. Everyone has different ways of doing it. And however you do it is going to be beautiful and perfect to you. And that was like all the conference all the confirmation I needed because I was just so in my head about it and I just needed to get out of my way. And so finally, a few days later, I logged on Instagram. I like put up a caption. I like posted it. And then I immediately logged out of Instagram and made sure it posted. And then I went on a walk and I just cried that entire Mm. walk. Happy tears because I finally felt like, oh my gosh, we did it. Like I was just speaking to my inner child, like we fucking did it. And I remember like crying to Paramore on my walk. That was like my song that I like. That, <laughs> that was my band that I listened to. Um, I'm going on many tangents right now. Um, right. But when I was in seventh grade, I was very suicidal and Paramore was like the band that saved my life. Um, I love Paramore. I, so, yeah. Yeah. I love Haley Williams. Um, had such a crush on her. And so it was a very full circle moment for me crying on that walk, listening to Paramore because it just, I felt like my inner child was just celebrating with me. Um, and so I didn't check my Instagram for like two days after that. And I, yeah, I know it was some self willpower (laughs) some self-willpower but I just knew like I needed to just process this and just take in what what all I had just done and just celebrate it and not let any external influences um impact me because I know that had impacted me in the past were were those external um factors so yeah I did my absolute best not to get on Instagram and I was even getting bombarded with texts and I really did my absolute best. I really just went off the, went off the radar for two days. And so, yeah. So 
it's been good. And I just, I'm so proud of myself and it's like ripping the bandaid off. I feel like once you start sharing your story, it just gets easier and easier. Absolutely. Um, you post something and if I could just help one person with my posts, like that is such a win for me. So, um, I think I got on a random tangent, but that's okay. No, all that's beautiful. And that actually brought some tears to my eyes. Cause that's just when you spoke about your inner child and you saying, we did it like that, that's so cool. And, um, so it's like your, your whole life was a breaking point of getting to the point where you were comfortable coming out. Do you remember something right before you made that post where it's like, F it, this is it. I'm doing it. Honestly, like, I think it was just everything that was built up over the, over the past few years for me, because, you know, going back to that relationship, I was such a shell of who I was that once I had that confirmation with myself, it was that fuck yes Mm -hmm. feeling because I had completely lost myself in that relationship. And for once I was like, this is who I, I, it was just the, the light finally went off in my head and I, I was just sick of living my life for other people. I was sick of, um, worrying about what anyone else was going to think about me. I was sick of worrying if my friends were going to abandon me. That was like a huge, huge, just worry of mine that my closest friends were going to leave me to -hmm. think that they would ever abandon me. But I just, that's where my mind went. And, you know, I've heard so many stories of just, you know, people getting rejected. And I think, I have had a very loving and supportive um, support system, but I know that it's not always like that for some people. And, um, you know, people do get rejected from their loved ones. And so that was my ultimate fear was that I was going to get pretty much um, executed pretty much from my family. And um, so, yeah. I finally just, I just got out of my own way. I don't know how, how else to put it. I just, yeah. I really think of my own bullshit. Like I, yeah. um, I, you know, through all of my spiritual awakening, like right before that, I was just self imploding, like in every sense of the word, like I was eating like shit every single day. I like wasn't moving my body and that's something that like helps me so much with my mental health. So I just, I wasn't treating my body with respect And I was just bullying the shit out of my body. Um, My mind was just always just negative self-talk. And um, I was just so insecure and miserable. And, you know, in that relationship, I would go over to this person's house multiple times a week and just drink my life away with this person because it was just a trauma bond essentially is what it was. And so that was how I was coping and how I was numbing out was through alcohol. And it was very unhealthy. It was very toxic. And, you know, I would get kicked out multiple times a week and sometimes at three in the morning. Mm. And I think my body, you know, there's that book. I still haven't read it, read it. The, um, the body the keeps the score. Yes. I it's on my bucket list. Everyone says I need to read it. Yeah. Um, you'll, you'll shut your pants. I know. I like, I'm, <laughs> preparing myself to really sit down and and read it soon. But, you know, it's so true when they say that like energy stores in your body, because I had been just doing this to myself for six years of my life, like a perpetual pattern of pain. And so my body had been so numbed down at that point 
that I was just going through the motions and just um, self-sabotaging every single day. So Mm. when you say, what was your breaking point? I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I, you just get to a point, you get to your rock bottom and you, you know, for me, it was that dark night of the soul where I, I just said no more. And I think what's beautiful is that through every breakdown, there is a breakthrough and that's, been the biggest blessing and lesson through all of this is that I owe it all to getting sick last year. I don't know if I would be where I am right now had I not had COVID and had I not been on medical leave for three months because it yeah. really forced me to sit sit down and sit with my feelings and sit with my life and change the narrative for myself and really rewrite that story. So mm. thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. What is your vision for LGBTQ plus youth? I think my vision for LGBTQ plus youth is to really just empower them and just want them to know how loved they are exactly how they are and know that there's nothing that they need to change about themselves. There's nothing that they need to fix about themselves. And I, and like I said earlier in this podcast, I, I just want the coming out process to be easier, easier than it was for me. And, you know, there are some people who still go go through the rest of their lives without coming out and they live it. They live with that fear. They live with, um, just the internalized pain and homophobia. And I just want to make that process easier for them. I want to help navigate that, um, journey with them and just, kind of pave the way for them because I didn't have that growing up. And had I had that growing up, I think my situation would have looked a lot different. And I think I probably wouldn't have, it wouldn't have taken me until I was 25 to come out. So I just, I want to empower them. I want to help them feel liberated and just live in alignment and be authentic and Mm. know that they have a mission, they have a purpose here, and it is their birthright to, to really act, act upon that and, yeah. um, you know, do whatever lights them up is, is really what I'm trying to say. So Yeah, and I, when you were saying all that, I was thinking about how people who are queer, trans, non-binary, as children, we're so intuitive, we know that, we know whatever, um, whoever we are, that's always been true. But we, if you don't have the language for what you're experiencing or what, who you're attracted to or what you're attracted to, then it's hard to to put the puzzle pieces together. And we just live in confusion. Like when I was little, the first people I kissed were girls and I had no story about it. It was literally just like, I remember just feeling like I wanted to, and I did, like, all of my girlfriends, I was making out with them in, like, second and third third grade, like, in the cubbies, and (laughs) it wasn't until I got a little bit older when I started learning about, oh, this is wrong, this is bad, this is shameful, and it always confused me, even when I was growing, when I was in college, so 18, 19, 20, I would go out to bars, and I would get drunk and I'd make out with girls. And then I thought, okay, well then I thought this was wrong. So why am I doing it? 
And then I created the story. Oh, I must be doing it because I want to be hot and perceived like by the male gaze. Yeah, totally. But it like, cause I'm not taught that it's okay that I find this attractive. It's okay that I find this, that I, that I want this. Um, so yeah, language and representation is so important. And I feel like people are going to be coming out for a while, which I like, I love when people come out and I think it's such a beautiful experience sometimes, not for all. And hopefully one day we can get to a point where no one's coming out about gender or sexuality or different types of relationships. It just literally is just like the sky's blue. Right. I agree. I agree. I think just normalizing it, like you said, I think I'm hoping that that's the direction that we're heading in. That's what I, you know, aim for. Um, But yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think too, for me, like I, my, the first girl that I ever um, like romantically kissed wasn't until I was 24. And that was like almost a year almost exactly a year before I came out Mm -hmm. and it ended up being like a pretty negative experience. And, you know, she had told me like, I don't think you're gay. Like, I don't think cause she was out. Um, so that was really hard for me just because having someone who was a part of the LGBTQ plus community tell me, you know, I don't think you're gay. Like, this is just a one-time thing. And and from what I've read, I feel like this is actually like a very common thing that happens for people. And I think that's why so many people in the LGBTQ plus community do question themselves even more, whether you're 24 or whether you're 18 or even 43, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it makes you question makes you question yourself. And so after that experience, I, I put it back into my little box. I shut the door. I shut the uh, lid on it. Yeah. And I said, okay, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gay. That was a one-time experience like that. You're right. And so I kind of just went along with that and had someone else tell me who I was. And so it, it took me a whole another year after that to really come to terms with that. But wow. I think that's so common for so many people is to have, unfortunately, a negative experience. And I think I also want to educate people on that and just change that narrative as well. Is that like, if you are um, in the LGBTQ plus community to just really be mindful of your language. Like you said, going back to language, being mindful of the conversations that you're having with people who you're interacting with and just knowing that like your words do hold um, Mm. such power because what you say can really influence someone else's perception of themselves. So just, just teaching people to be be mindful of their language, I think is something that I'm also passionate about because I did have you know, a negative experience. And I don't want that to happen to someone else. So yeah, um, I think it's important to, to share that and to know that like, if that has happened to you, like that doesn't mean any less of a human. It doesn't mean that you're not, um, who you're meant to be. So absolutely. I'm trying to say, so yeah, I could talk to you for another five hours. Um, but I really want to make sure that we don't go over time because I want people to listen to the content that we have talked about. So, and the last question, 
how can people work with you and then how can other practitioners and this community best support you? Yeah, so people can work with me. I have my Instagram handle is where um, my all my information is. So my Instagram handle is at Catherine Marie Herbert, and that's um, R-Y-N spelled Catherine. And there should be a link in my bio that gives all of my bookings. And so right now I'm offering past life regression sessions, Reiki sessions. And then, like I said at the beginning of our call um, in November-ish, I'll be offering coaching. So I'm so excited. I am not sure yet how I'm going to navigate that. If I'm going to do just one-on-one, I might do a group program. I'm not really sure yet, um, but it's making me really excited. So um, check that out soon for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on here, being vulnerable with us. Um, you are such a bright, loving human and I'm so appreciative, uh, to know you and to share space with you. So thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like this conversation was so needed and I'm so honored that you chose me to be a part of it. So thank you. Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Clinical Spiritualist. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at clinical underscore spiritualist. I'm currently accepting new clients and would love to help guide you on your journey back to self. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care.